0: We'll start a uh, new study in the book of Judges. It immediately, as you know, follows the book of Joshua. So if you would, please turn there with me. Judges chapter 1. You know, oftentimes when a uh, well-known person is introduced, we introduce them as one who needs no introduction. You know, why then are the introductions for folks for such folks so long uh, telling us what we're already supposed to know. However, with that said, the book of Judges could use a little introduction. And one of the things that we should know is that the book of Judges, in the book of Judges, the judges really don't judge. Uh, They were military leaders for the most part called Judges. And they were God-called men who initiated combat, who led and inspired Israel to drive out their enemies. And the time of the judges describes that period of Israel's history when it had no strong leader like Moses or Joshua. The time of the judges is approximately 300 years in the history of Israel, and This book is rich in gospel types and shells, and it beautifully pictures the church in this world, its failures, its weaknesses, and its deliverances by the Lord at the hands of the judges. The book of Judges also sets the stage for the book of Ruth. The first verse of Ruth chapter one states, "'Now it came to pass, in the day when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. And it's there that we find the story of Naomi and Ruth and Boaz, the kinsman redeemer. And I had strongly considered moving on uh, from Joshua to the book of 1 Samuel. In the English Bible, the, the book of Ruth follows the book of Judges, but in the Hebrew Bible, first Samuel follows the book of Judges. So this had a great deal to do with me deciding to study the book of Judges first. There are 14 judges spoken of in this book. The apostle mentions four of them in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32, Gideon, Barak, Samson, and the Jephthah, Jephthah, in the book of Judges, Israel is kingless. And it's said that Israel did what was right in their own eyes. We're told that in two different places here in the book of Judges, Judges 17, 6 and Judges 21, 25, and pretty much those exact words. In those days, in the days of the Judges, there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And this book, like all the word of God, is relevant and it very well describes the world we live in today. How true it is that men and women do that which they believe to be right in their own eyes. Not many today give heed to what God's word says. In other words, Israel lived with disregard toward what God had declared to be right in His holy law, and it's no different today. What Israel really needed was a godly king, and that's what God's people still need, but that's what we have. That's what we have today. We have a godly king who is God. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords who writes his law upon his people's hearts. We finished our study in Joshua seeing that Joshua had died. Now Israel is faced with the task to finish taking the land of promise and we find them here very unresponsive and reluctant to do so. Very much like the apostles and the disciples in the New Testament, when they realized that the Lord would soon leave them. And as Christ's servants, they had totally relied upon their master for direction. As soldiers of the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ, they couldn't make themselves move without their captain to lead them in battle. So in the book of Judges, we find Israel without their beloved leader, Joshua. And we also find them from the last verse in the last chapter of Joshua without their high priest, Eliezer. And we find them here in the first chapter, crying unto the Lord and thank the Lord or thank God that he does not leave us to ourselves. God's people today will never be without their blessed Joshua, Jesus, Savior who is also their great high priest. Judges one. Now, after the death of Joshua, it came to pass that the children of Israel asked the Lord, saying, Who shall go up for us against the Canaanites, first to fight against them? And the Lord said, Judah shall go up. Behold, I have delivered the land into his hand. The Lord immediately answers this question. And isn't it marvelous that when one type of the Lord Jesus, Joshua, is removed, another one is raised up in Joshua's place. That's what the Old Testament does. It points to the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the King of Kings. And the Lord here is teaching us that God's people must have Christ. He's the captain of our salvation. He's our great high priest. And Israel here asked the question, who shall go up for us? That's a good question. And the Lord says, Judah shall go. Israel didn't ask who shall go up with us. They asked, who shall go up for us? There's a big difference. One word makes such a difference, doesn't it? You and I don't need assistance in deliverance. You and I must have God deliver us. We don't need Christ to go with us. We need Him to go for us. Salvation has never been, nor will it ever be, a cooperative effort between us and the Lord. Salvation is of the Lord. Period. Who else could it be but Judah? And who shall go up for us but Christ who first came down for us? It's still a faithful saying, it's still worthy of our acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And if you're a sinner, that's good news because he is able to save and he is willing to save. You remember in our study of Genesis back a long time ago now when Jacob would not allow Benjamin to go down to Egypt. He was in fear of losing the only son that he had left, Joseph being the other one. Uh, with some fear of losing the only son that he had that was born the woman that he truly loved. And Joseph being the other. And it was Judah who became the surety and the willing substitute for Benjamin. Hold your place here in Judges and turn back with me to Genesis chapter 43. I want you to see this. I want to bring this to your remembrance. Genesis 43 and look at verse 8. Genesis 43 and verse 8. And Judah said unto Israel and to Jacob his father, Send the lad with me, and we will arise and go, that we may live and not die, both we and thou and also our little ones. Now, look at this, verse 9. I will be surety for him. Of my hand shalt thou require him. If I bring him not unto thee and set him before thee, let me bear the blame forever. My, what a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ, Judah is. Look at the next chapter, Genesis chapter 44, verse 32. Judah stood before Joseph, not yet knowing that Joseph was his brother. And he said in verse 32, For thy servant became surety for the lad unto my father, saying, If I bring him not unto thee, then I shall bear the blame to my father forever. Now, therefore, I pray thee, let thy servant abide instead of the lad, a bondman to my Lord and let the lad go up with his brethren. For how shall I go up to my father and the lad be not with me? Lest peradventure I see the evil that shall come on my father. Friends, the Lord Jesus Christ, our surety, our substitute, our Savior will not lose a single one that he came to save. You can be assured of that. That's what the word surety means. It means guarantor, one who guarantees something, one who vouches for another, one who confirms, one who upholds and is liable for another. In Isaiah chapter 63, verse five, I won't turn you there, but the Lord says, and I looked and there was none to help. And I wondered that there was none to uphold. None qualified to be a surety for my people. That's what he's talking about. He said, therefore, mine own arm brought salvation unto me. And my fury, it upheld me. Now there was none, the Lord says, not a one among angels or the sons of men to help and assist the Lord in the redemption of sinners. When the scriptures say salvation is of the Lord, that's exactly what it means. The Lord Jesus Christ saved his people from their sin. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall, <laughs> he shall save his people from their sin. Because of Adam's fallen state, God's people are reduced to a low and helpless condition that none but Christ can deliver from. And our salvation is the sole work of His mighty power. God is almighty. And the Lord Jesus says, Therefore, mine own arm brought salvation unto me. The Lord Jesus Christ as God saved his people from their sin to uphold, to be a surety for his own satisfaction and appeasement of his holy law. And for no man could appease his holy justice. And in this, Judah is a beautiful picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Revelation chapter 5, when the beloved John wept because there was no man worthy to Open the book and and loose the seals, the seven seals thereof. He cried, "Who is worthy?" And it was the line of the tribe of Judah who prevailed to do so. Who shall go up for us? You know the answer to that. Yes, who else but Judah? Who else but Christ Himself? Now, in verse two of Judges chapter one, we're told. And the Lord said, Judah shall go up. Behold, I have delivered the land into his hand. Now let me give you some words of encouragement from the Lord Himself. His words are spirit and they are life. Uh, John 663. First John 335 The Father loveth the Son and hath given all things unto his hand. Matthew three seventeen, And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Matthew 11, All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father, and neither knoweth any man the Father except the Son or save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. Matthew 28. Verses 18 and 20. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go go ye, therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So be it. Now what's the Lord's commandment to us? Well, this is the first and greatest commandment. That thou should love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. That you should love the Lord thy God with all your soul and with all your strength. And the second commandment is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Now, uh, I hadn't. I didn't turn you back to Judges yet. You may have turned back, but look at uh, Genesis chapter forty-nine, verse eight. This is what Jacob said of Judah. Genesis forty-nine, verse eight. He says, "Judah, thou art he whom thy brethren shall praise. Thy hand shall be in the neck of thine enemies." Thy father's children shall bow down before thee. Did you know that that's what the name Judah means? It means he shall be praised. Verse 9, Judah is a lion's whelp. That's a lion's cub, a lion full of vigor and youth and strength and power. From the prey, Did Judas lines well, from the prey, my son, thou art gone up. This is speaking of the young lion who retreats into the mountains after he's found its prey and satisfied itself with it. And of Christ, it is said, he shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities, Isaiah 53, 11. The Lord Jesus ascended into heaven, and he sat on the right hand of glory on high, and he conquered sin, and he satisfied God's holy justice. He stooped down, it says here. He couched as a lion, and as an old lion, who shall rouse him up? Our Lord, the lion of the tribe of Judah, a mature powerful line with full strength and kingly wisdom there's a reason they're called the king of the jungle and he has prevailed and who shall dare challenge his authority and rouse him up he did not carry his prey off to hide in a den fearing that it might be taken from him he killed it he stooped down he devoured it knowing that none would dare challenge him. Oh my, we have such a, an almighty Savior, such a sovereign Savior. Child of God, I'm talking about your Savior. I'm talking about your Deliverer. I'm referring to your Lord. Verse 10 says, The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh come. And We know who Shiloh is. We looked at that in a study in Joshua. And unto Him shall the gathering of the people be. As we saw this past Sunday, who shall and who can condemn us? It's Christ that died. Yea, rather, that's risen again. And much more is at the right hand of God, a place of power, forever making intercession for us. And friends, nothing has changed Our need today is the same as Israel's. And the remedy for our need is also the same. There's only one remedy, and that's Christ. We need a righteous judge. Without Christ, we're as sheep without a shepherd. Without Christ, we're an army without a captain. And we cry, who shall go up for us? And the answer's always the same. Mm-hmm. be it Joshua, be it Judah, be it Christ, who they both picture and typify. Judah pictures the promised one for his tribe comes from the is the lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is our great high priest, and he's a surety of a better covenant. We've got a better covenant. He's our perfect righteousness. I need no other righteousness but his. His is perfect. His is the only righteousness that God will accept. He is the promised seed. Judah is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. The psalmist said, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Psalm 27 1. We shall possess the land only because Judah shall go up for us. <laughs> Our Judah already has. He's finished the work. The best kind of work's a finished work, isn't it? <laughs> and we are powerfully saved with life everlasting. Why? Because it's Christ. Who goes up for us? God has delivered all things under His hand. Now, back in Judges uh, chapter one, verse three, and Judah said unto Simeon his brother, "Come up with me into my lot, that we may fight against the Canaanites, and I will likewise, and I likewise will go up with thee into thy lot." So Simeon went with him. And what uh, Judah is saying here is just what it says. He's saying, You help me and, and I'll help you. But that's it's it's salvation's not a cooperative effort. Uh, as we've mentioned in our study of Psalms, everything that the Lord Jesus does for his people, he does as a we. We don't do anything, but as a we, we reap the benefits of what Christ has done. We are accepted by God in the beloved, in Christ. Everything Christ does for us, God accepts as our perfect work. Just as if you did it yourself. Judah said, you go with me and I'll go with you. And I find it interesting that verse four doesn't say and Judah and Simeon went up. It says that Judah went up. And it was the Lord that delivered the Canaanites and the Perizzites into their hand, to their hand. <laughs> See that? And they slew them in Bezek 10,000 men. It was the Lord that delivered their enemies, but it was because the Lord had given them to Judah. And Simeon reaped the benefits, just like we do from the work of our Lord and Savior. He benefited from the promise that the Lord made with Judah. Everything, everything that the Lord did, he did as a we. What a blessed word us is in the scripture. Everything Christ does, he does for us. Judah shall go up. And Judah went up and the will and purpose of God always comes to pass. And Judah went up and the Lord delivered its head. And Judah went up and slew 10,000 men. You know, the vast majority in this world believe that God is impotent instead of omnipotent. They really do. I grow so tired of hearing men Talk about God wanting and trying. and uh, Oh man, what, what a low opinion. What a low opinion of God men have and what a high opinion men have of themselves. Yes. The Lord said, you thought that you were all together one like unto me. But you're not. Not at all. Nowhere in this book that we call the Bible will you find a God who is foiled and frustrated. Mm -hmm. Nowhere in the contents of this book will you find a Savior who's wanting and trying without success. Mm -hmm. I challenge you to, to show me. Many years ago when I first heard the gospel, someone said to me, well, God is not willing that any should perish. And my response was "Then nobody will be lost. And it uh, took him back a little bit. He said, well, now I don't don't believe that or there wouldn't be a hell. (laughs) And I said, then you believe God's a failure and an imposter. You see, because God does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth and none can stay his hand or saying to him, what doest thou? You can find that in Daniel 4, 35. You can't put handcuffs on God and you can't question what God does. Isaiah 14, 24, the Lord of hosts has sworn saying, surely as I have thought, so shall it come to pass. And as I have purpose, so shall it stand. That's the God of the Bible. That's your God. That's your Lord. That's your Savior, that's your deliverer. We don't have any confidence in ourselves, but we've got all confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ. Numbers twenty three nineteen. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent, change his mind. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? the lord thy god in the midst of thee is mighty zephaniah 3:17 friends romans chapter 8:28 is just not the teaching of the doctrine of election and predestination it's a declaration of who god is Amen. and we know that all things work together for good to them that love god to them who are the called now listen according to his purpose. God is a God of purpose, and His purpose always comes to pass. For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate. Only God can predestinate, predetermine, determine beforehand the salvation of certain sinners before they were ever born. Before Jacob and Esau were ever born, before they'd ever done any good or evil. So we can't say that salvation is based on God looking ahead in time and seeing somebody would be a, a good boy and a good girl and choose them based upon their their goodness or their work? No. Before they were born, before they'd done any good or evil, God chose them that the doctrine, that the, the teaching of election might stand. Moreover, those whom he did predestinate, them he also called. This is all about him. All about what he does. Doesn't say anything in here about what you and I do. Can you call yourself for dinner? You know, I suppose you can if you want to be called crazy. David, dinner's ready. Okay, I'll be there in just a minute. That'd be crazy. One who believes they called themselves to be saved is even more so. And whom he called, them he also justified. He, he, he. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. Salvation is all about what he, God, does. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Nobody. It's God that justifies. Who is he that condemneth? It's Christ that died. Yea, rather that's risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God. We've talked about what that right hand is. It's the power of God. At the right hand, the power of God who also maketh intercession for us. Peter, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. But I've prayed that your faith fail you not. And friends, when He intercedes and prays that your faith does not fail you, Chris, your faith won't fail. We'll keep on believing because of who it is that intercedes for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Nothing, no one shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's where it is, my friend. Our Lord said in John sixteen thirty-three, I've overcome the world. I'm not concerned about what the world might do to me or anyone in it. My Lord has overcome the world. He's not some mealy mouth, trying and begging and pleading savior, wanting someone to just love him back. No. No, not in the least the lord said i've told you before it came to pass that when it come to pass you might believe believe what that jesus christ is god almighty and he hath done whatsoever he hath pleased psalm 115 3 salvations of the lord jonah 2 9 in whom we've also obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of Him who worketh all things after the counsel of His own will. Not after my will, not after what I desire, but what He wills and purposes. It's God Almighty who declares the end from the beginning and from ancient times, the things that are not yet done. And what does He say? He says, my counsel shall stand. And I will do all my pleasure. It's God Almighty who calls a ravenous bird from the east, the man that executed his counsel from a far country. It's God that does this. And it's God Almighty Almighty who says, I've spoken it and I'll also bring it to pass. I've purposed it and I'll also do it. Are we going to argue with God? This is what He says about Himself. Who hath measured the waters in the hollow of His hand and meted out heaven with the span and comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure? Who has weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance? Who hath directed the Spirit of the Lord? or being His counselor hath taught Him. Does that sound like the kind of God that's dependent upon man? to give him or her his heart in order to say, won't you just give Jesus your heart? Yea, before the day was, I am he, and there's none that can deliver out of my hand. I will work, and who shall let it? Isaiah forty-three thirteen. That's what God says about himself. Did God need your cooperation when he spoke the worlds into existence? Even when the kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ, Herod, Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do what? For to do whatsoever, God's sovereign hand and counsel determined before to be done. In Job 42, 4, Job said, I know thou canst do Anything you can do, everything, and no fault can be withholding from you. There's an old saying: you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. But the Lord can. Yes, <laughs> the Lord can make a horse, or anything, or anyone else do whatsoever He pleases. Jeremiah twenty five twenty eight and shall be if they refuse to take the cup at thine hand to drink. Then shalt thou say unto them, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, You shall certainly drink. Men and women alike say, We're going to do this and we're going to do that. And James said, All of you that say today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and we're going to buy and sell and oh, we're going to make a bunch of money. We're going to do well. We're going to do well. You ought to say. That's what you ought to say. If the Lord will, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But only if He wills. If He doesn't will, it's not going to happen. Lord, thy will be done. That's what the believer says. Thy will be done. We're not going to do anything unless the Lord permits it. Who is He that saith and it cometh to pass when the Lord commandeth it not? If the Lord says, no, it ain't going to happen, it's not going to happen. No, sir. And if the Lord says, this is going to come to pass, it comes to pass. This is the God with whom we have to do. And I just grow tired of hearing people lie on God. I make no apologies for it. God certainly doesn't. How blessed we are to know these wondrous things, and it's only by His divine revelation and intervention Even so, Father, it seemed good in thy sight. All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father, neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and he and she to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Who shall go up for us? There's one that already has and one that already has, and he's our Judah. He's from the line of the tribe of Judah. He's the Lord Jesus Christ. May God be pleased to make it so for God's glory, our good, and for Christ's sake, and the people of God say amen. Amen. Okay, thank you for your attention. Shelly, let's uh,